Good morning, my friend. Good evening, my friend. Um, I'm, I'm speechless. You did something that has absolutely just, I, I don't even know what to say. Um, <clears throat> behind blue eyes, you, you, you use the Limp biscuit version, really? It was a request. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Does it seem like something I would pick? I I was I was shocked by it. Um and this surprisingly this is the second Lent Biscuit conversation I've had this week. Oh really? Yeah, like oh my gosh, this is about as close as, as a comeback is gonna be, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I had a um I had a very random message from an old friend yesterday. Okay. On my on my mobile phone. I didn't even know how they got my mobile number. Um, sent me a random text just telling me how much they're loving my fitness stuff and, and my song lyrics and stuff on Instagram. Yeah. <clears throat> and they're like, oh, what's the song for tomorrow? And I've gone, I haven't decided yet. Do you have a request? And they gave me that. And I just went, oh, geez, you might as well have just asked for Nickelback. But <laughs> I didn't say that. I just went, okay, yeah, no worries. I can do that. Well, so what what got me with it is like I knew the lyrics. I knew the lyrics right away. So I'm I'm anticipating the original version by the Who, and I'm like, what? <laughs> so, and um, I've I've just been I saw that like three minutes ago, and I've just been processing it. So okay, but but you know, if it was a request, that that kind of makes sense. Though. It was, yeah. And I I think you have to remember that not everybody realizes that it was a remake. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Don't get me started. <laughs> I did get a message from someone else saying this is one of the best remakes ever. Um, I'm going to send you two photos. Okay. One is uh, Glenn Coco when I said, Mommy has to podcast. Okay. And uh, so he decided to just lick me. <laughs> and then the second photo was, No, baby, seriously, Mommy has to podcast. You have to get out of the room. And he literally. Shows his teeth in the photo. Yeah, the first one. The first one is very cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is it's so good, right? Oh my gosh! This is my mommy. Yeah, my mommy. <laughs> that is. Oh my gosh! You have to post these two. These are hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, you snapped me back too. How about that? Oh, that is. Fantastic. Oh, I did. Yeah, I think I just sent you something filtered. Yeah, you remember. Did. <laughs> oh, that's right. I sent you the, the buck teeth and the man buns. Yeah, yeah. You, you did. That was, was not expecting that. I was not either. To be honest, it was just the first filter on there. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you know, you said you said when the whole thing about um, that being original Limp Biscuit song. Don't get me started, but. Like, this is where we go to get you started. So, oh my gosh, it's yeah. just, you know, why don't we talk about faith while we're at it? <laughs> oh no, somebody, no, somebody actually thought that was their song too. Oh uh, no, just people that like so many people will try to tell me it's a better version. No, it's, and I'm like, really, really, it's, like, it's, it's not, it's not even, even when it came out, and like, like, I, I mean, I was the perfect demographic for Limp Biscuit, Corn, and all the rest. And like I heard that song and there were like when I first heard it, I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, but 
it's still not the original. Like it's it's no, it, it's it's not the. It's still not George Michael in Levi's a t-shirt, a black leather jacket, a five o'clock shadow, and aviator sunnies. That's what faith is, right? I sorry, <laughs> sorry. That just always reminded me of. Uh, there's a movie called Jersey Girl, and and Ben Affleck plays the PR rep for George Michael, and it's back when George Michael was denying that he was gay. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I so, haven't seen the movie, but I I probably should, right? And I, I mean, the, no. To be honest, like that that part is only ten minutes of the movie, um, but it's quite clever that bit. And and he's just like, just listen to his music. I want your sex. Does that sound like he's singing to a dude? <laughs> I, I yeah, he was. Say, <laughs> I mean, I just when you listen to his songs now, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. it makes it, it. It I mean, it makes so much sense. But I mean, he was, yeah, he he was definitely admired by pretty much everyone. I believe he he's in that category for me. Um, he's he's not quite Bowie. But he'd be in the category below that for me, which is epic star, but not like life changing star for me. But I I can understand how he was for others. Um, just very very talented individual, and unfortunately, controversy often overmars things. It's sort of like. Um, the first thing that I ever really learned about Freddie Mercury was that he died of AIDS. Yeah. You know, and, and I knew that before I knew Queen, really, really knew Queen. Well, and so in a couple of things on that, I, I feel like so much when you talk about controversy from 25, 30 years ago, I wonder, like, would it even be? A oh, big no, people deal? wouldn't even blink. No, no. no, nobody would like nobody would blink. And I mean, even fast forwarding, fast forwarding to a little bit in the future and then we'll go back. But like Miley Cyrus at the VMAs twerking, like that's that's Instagram. That's like just standard scrolling on Instagram yeah. now. And it was it was so funny because at the time they were making such a big deal of it. I think because she was a Disney star, mm. and it happened. I you know it's it's realistically George Michael having sex in a bathroom, and there are people that go, "That's a Friday night." It's true. I um I used to. Uh, so one of my favorite clubs in Sydney is called Stonewall. It is a gay club. Um, and I used to go there a lot <clears throat> when I was younger and single and, you know, yeah. great cocktails and a lot of men because even gay men really loved boobs. It was great. And, and so it was fun. I would go, I would dance, I would get drunk. Yeah. But what they told me on my first night was don't use the bathrooms in Stonewall. And I'm like, what? Not even the women's. They're like, that's cute. There is no women's bathroom. Just don't use the bathrooms here. If you really need to go to the bathroom, go next door. And I'm like, why? <laughs> and my friend said to me, you know how, like, men will pretty much have sex anywhere and it's usually the women that say no? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, there's no women in these relationships, Rach. Just go next door if you've got to go to the toilet. And I was like, okay, so yeah, like Michael Jackson having, uh, sorry, George Michael having sex in a bathroom. That's a Friday night. I I love when, I love when naive young Rachel makes an appearance on the podcast. Yeah, she's cute. When you call back to her. Yeah. She's a sweetheart. Well, and and so that's, so, and then I'm, 
the way I think a lot of folks, unless you were really into performing arts that are our age came to queen was really weird because yeah, Freddie Mercury died. And then six months later, Wayne's world came out. And then most people that I've talked to and like, you then went back and started listening to the music because they, they actually had, um, and I'm like the greatest hits for queen came out that summer and yeah. it was like a two volume thing. So then like you, you not, to that, yeah. and then you go and you get all the albums and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it, but it was, I, I knew nothing of them until, like you said, he passed away of AIDS and then, uh, and then Wayne's world. And then I just like dove in. I was actually having a, um, a really interesting conversation about uh, remakes, uh, re-releases of songs, actually. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> not unlike how we started today. But I was talking about Beatles songs yeah. and that there are people that don't know that certain songs are Beatles songs because they're, uh, they've grown up with a version that was sung by somebody else. Um, one of the most common ones would have to be, I get by with a little help from my friends because you grew up, I grew up, we all grew up with the wonder years yeah. and Joe Cocker singing that epic song, which is brilliant. I, I love his version. I think his version is way better than the Beatles version. Um, but the, the one I was actually talking about is, uh, the, there's, a few different versions of help. Now the Carpenters released a version of help, but uh, an Australian artist who is very big here, here, um, solo artist, probably our version of, you know, like Wayne Newton, but bigger. Okay. Like here, he was everything in the eighties and nineties. He, he was the highest selling artist that Australia had ever had. Okay. Not just Australian artists' albums. He sold more albums than anybody had ever sold in Australia up until like 2003. Okay. And um, he did a version of it. And whereas the Beatles' version of Help is this like upbeat little, almost like a ditty. I want to say it's like a ditty, you know. Yeah. When I was younger, so much younger than today. Right. He made it a ballad. Really? And he sang it with such conviction, you know, help, like, help me if you can, I'm feeling down. And so <laughs> the artist is called John Farnham. It's not famous anywhere except for Australia. Well, no, I mean, spell, I think, spell his last name because I, I do want to listen to this today. F-A-R-N-H-A-M. Uh, do yourself a favour. If you're going to watch it on YouTube, watch a live version because... The first concert I ever went to was a John Farnham concert. I was 16. It was his, I can't believe his 50 tour. Because <laughs> um, this is a guy that sang a song on Australian TV when he was like 20. Back when they had like Countdown. <laughs> he, it's funny, yeah, because he, I mean, he looks like a guy that was big in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, you would probably see a picture of him with like a mullet or something, yeah, right? It, it's, yeah, it's kind of like yeah. that. He had a he had a he had a pretty decent mullet for about a decade, um, and so yeah. So he started off on, on Australian TV when he was like twenty. He was a plumber, okay. and just sang a song, and it went really well. And back then he was called Johnny Farnham. But when I was sixteen, 
he did the I can't believe he's 50 tour because he <laughs> he'd been in the public eye for so long that everyone's like, oh, he can't be that old, can he? And um, and so what he did was his concert. By then he had sold more albums than anybody else in the history of Australia. And he'd had so many albums and so many number ones, so many hit songs that it's the kind of concert where you go and every single person knows every single song, whether or not they like him, they know every single song because it's been played on the radio so much. And, um, and I was protesting. I only went because my sisters went, uh, my sisters got to go if they took me. Yeah. That was the bargaining chip. And so the first half of the show, he had all different Australian artists sing covers of his songs. And then the second half of the show was all him. So the show went for, the first half of the show was like an hour. And then the last part with him was like an hour and a half, two hours. And it was, and it was so brilliant. The minute that he was on that stage, and there's something about the electricity of the atmosphere when, when he sings and when he sings help, he'll stop singing and the audience sings it for him. But they don't sing it the way the Beatles wrote it. They sing it the way he sings it, which is like, yeah, it's like a real request. Like I'm broken and I need someone to save me. That's how he sings it. And, um, and so I was explaining this and, and um, cause I'm not traditionally, I'm not one for <laughs> remixes. Yeah, normally <laughs> they're not, they're not even done in any type of a creative way. I mean, there's usually no. even the same, the same hook and the same, no. like everything. It's just like a cheap attention grab is what most of them. Yeah. Do. Well, it's, I, it's like, I remember when Alien Ant Farm released oh their God, version no. of Smooth Criminal. Oh and everybody went mental for it. And I'm like, really? Oh, what I really couldn't stand about that was like the sample of Michael Jackson going woo. I, I, I oh my gosh. I could not. Oh, that's all right. I would like to talk also about Also happens to be my favorite Michael Jackson song, by the way. Well, but yeah, I mean, Michael Jackson's version is thousands of times better. Um, oh, yeah. I, I do want to, so I have to say in the last couple of weeks, because you're not able to, I have listened to Pocket Full of Sunshine probably a dozen times. It's one of those songs, isn't it? I, um, do you, do you know what's funny? I have never gotten as many messages about a song that I did for Drink Your Damn Water yeah. until I did the song that is my favorite song. And there were people that like, I remember this being the theme tune to a TV show that I grew up with. And I and there was like other people going, I never knew what that song was called. Um, and it's just one of those things. And I think that there are songs that bring us absolute joy. And I think Pocket Full of Sunshine is definitely a song that just brings you joy. Yeah. Um, but my favorite song is, well, I'm talking about Beatles a lot today. My favorite song is uh, Obla D, Obla Da by the Beatles, hmm. um, which is, you know, Obla D, Obla Da, Life Goes On. Yeah. And, um, and I love it because it's so, so full of joy. And, um, yeah, it's just so full of joy. And um, and there was a TV show called Life Goes On and it was the theme song for it. But I just, it, I, it's just pretty much my life philosophy that 
life goes on. Yeah. And I was, um, I spent a lot, a lot of time over probably the last couple of weeks listening to, uh, Jay Shetty, the coach motivational guy that used to be a monk. Um, and he oh, was is that the guy that makes the, the videos. Yes. Kind of him? I've, I've seen him. I've seen, yeah. cause, and I had never really paid attention to his videos, but I just started following him on Instagram and yeah, he does have some, and he's got, I mean, like in his videos, he's got like Kevin Hart making appearances and stuff. And like, um, but yeah, he, he, um, his podcast is great. Cause he alternates between these half hour long solo episodes where he just dives deep into things. And then, um, and then he does interviews as well. And I just like, I've, I've been digging it and apparently he has a new book out. So I'll be downloading that today and listening to that while I'm while I'm working, but, but yeah, I, but what he was, but what he's talked about is just like what we all know, which is, you know, change is inevitable, like it, and it's constant and, you know, like you just, there's nothing you can do to like hold on to things and too many people are living in the past and, and, you know, worrying about the future and you've got the present in front of you, but you just, you, you have to be able to adapt to things as they go on. But I, I've been loving his messages. They, they've been fantastic. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I also like, cause now with all the podcasts and stuff that I do, like, I just, I, I, I kind of want to get some other perspectives just to kind of like put a couple extra layers to what, to the stuff that I put out, because I feel like, I mean, you know, that I say probably the same two or three dozen things over and over. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Probably just need to reinforce some stuff a little bit, put a little bit more depth to it. So I think that given the last 12 months, I think it's inevitable that there's a bit of a repeat factor happening with everybody. I think our perspectives and our knowledge and our experiences uh, all come from our interactions Mm -hmm. in the world. And our interactions have been limited in the last 12 months. This is true. The opportunity, and and that's not to say that there hasn't been opportunity to grow and learn. I have spent the last 106 days learning French. Um, I'm really, really good at telling you how many cats and dogs people have. (laughs) Just in case you're wondering. I'm wondering, I'm I'm looking forward to snaps that include this very soon. I'm not going to be like on a podcast. Hey, tell No, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing this. Um, I can also tell you all the different like nouns and verbs for uh, for women, for boys, for girls. <laughs> well, that's this is just going to keep our street going, isn't it? Grandma and grandpa, grandma and grandpa. <laughs> I wasn't going to have you do this, but go right ahead. I, but I no, but it's not. Like, and realistically, ahead. I started learning French for two reasons: one, because it was COVID and I needed to do something, and right. two, because I watched Emily in Paris and I thought. <laughs> I can learn French. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. Oh, um, the, the girl that, that plays her is one of the interviews on this podcast. And you will, I think you would actually really enjoy it. Lily so. Collins, uh, whose father is famously Phil Collins. I did that. I did not know, but that's interesting. Yeah? Phil, Phil Collins from Genesis. Oh, I, well, no, I know who Phil Collins is. But... Well, you know, just in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, somebody. Her father that, is Phil case, Collins. Yeah. Her mother is some beautiful model. And she actually just got engaged 
to the child of Malcolm McDowell and Mary Steenburgen. See, you are my source for pop culture. There's so much mm. stuff that I don't know, and I, I like, I, I learn. I, I learn um, I learn what's going on in the world from you sometimes. No Part of me wonders, like, how many different types of diseases I could have cured if I used this brain for good instead of evil. <laughs> well, you know, we'll never, never know. Uh, we'll never, never know. Too, However, if you want to know what dress someone wore to the Oscars in 1999, I'm your girl. Uh, <laughs> for some reason this has me thinking of the um and i don't think it was well, it might have been 99 or 2000 but i'm thinking of uh justin and Brittany and the denim oh i remember that yeah that was 2001 wasn't it um VMA? it could be i need to look this up we, we got to be accurate on things here. yeah let's see Real Might time. have been the Blockbuster Awards. Let's see. <laughs> and I listened, to, I actually listened to an interview with Justin Timberlake. He was on uh, Dax Shepard's podcast this week. They wore it to the 2001 American Music Awards. Okay. And when you type in Britney and Justin, the first thing that comes up is Gene. The second thing is Denim. Yeah, Denim. So, there you go. <laughs> oh, that is fabulous. Okay, so you told me something, and had I been able to talk properly last Friday, we would have had this discussion then. Okay. But we're going to have it now because you, you kind of blew my mind. You were okay. a night stalker. I did. I did. Did you like it? Yeah. I so, thought. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go no. Ahead. You go. Tell me. No, you have. You have. You've been waiting. Ask me any and all the questions. So it's caused a bit of controversy in the true crime community. Why's this? Can you grasp why? Probably not, because I'm literally, I'm I'm so I'm such a noob when it comes to the like outside of Dateline and things like that. I'm I'm such a noob at this. Why why is this so controversial? So it seems to have caused a bit of controversy because the actual focus isn't on Richard Ramirez at, at all, really. Right. It's right. on the victims and on the police work that went into catching him, which I found fascinating and fresh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, it. I really, really enjoyed that. And, and truthfully, if anybody, I don't get it. I, I don't get why people were complaining about it because to me, particularly people in the true crime community, you want to know about Richard Ramirez? Cool. Look up the 50 podcast episodes that you can listen to that are all about Richard Ramirez. Isn't it nice that instead of remembering some evil fuck, we're thinking about these horrible, like the horrible things that happened to these wonderful people. We're remembering the people. We're acknowledging the hard work that, and the smart work that went into catching him and also acknowledging the badass people that refused to let him out of their sight, let them out yeah. you, to the point yeah. where he was begging for the sheriff to take him away. Yeah. How about that? Like that was, um, yeah. I, well, and you know, they, I, I liked how it was a, it was a docu-series and they spent some time on him, but yeah. it was only like half of a, I guess half of an episode, but no, I, uh, you're right. I mean, I, I, I know that most of why people have, 
dove into the true crime content is because you get to see the mind behind mm-hmm. the, some of these these just yeah, because because let's be honest, ninety five percent of the world's people can't fathom what could lead someone to be him. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I, but I, I just, but I think what it is, anybody that's up in arms, I mean, it's it's kind of like it's become so mainstream that it's become you know you, you have people that just want what they want and that's all they want, and anything that's different than that, they're they're going to complain, but you're absolutely right. Like the beautiful thing about 2021 content is if you don't like the point of view or the focus that there is on something, literally throw it in you on YouTube or Spotify and you will find, you know, probably hundreds of results giving you exactly what you want. So that's it. And, 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 and so for me, that almost does full circle of, of what you were saying about, you know, expanding, learning, experiencing, um, I, I willingly. So, and I, a, and there yeah, is, sorry. there is something, there is something I want to say about that. Like as far as like learning and putting more depth on a message and like the whole thing about being repetitive though, I think in one sense is really good because I look at anytime I put something out, there's somebody that's going to be coming across this for the first time. So the repetition is good there. It's also good because of the stuff that I talk about, like people need to be, need to have reminders. I just, I look at it because I'm, I I look at this as more of a long-term thing. And it's again, what we were talking about, like change is always happening. And if you end up just talking and I was having a conversation last night with a, um, with, with somebody else that's, that's doing content. Like if you just continue to say the same thing over and over, you do become a character of yourself to some caricature of yourself. Oh, you absolutely do. Yeah. So, you know, like it's, it's everything to this point has been has been excellent amazing and beyond my my wildest dreams but i'm like yeah you know what it's probably time to uh to put some some depth to this and what was really cool about jay shetty is i you know he's in these old episodes he's like you know go to social media tell me what you guys think and you know the the best way if you're actually gonna get in touch with somebody is twitter because you know but like i tweeted out that i was listening and he you know, he liked the tweet within five minutes. I'm like, see, like, that's, that's nice. That's what you should be doing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I was in talking. Okay. So yeah, two things. One, watching the Night Stalker, <laughs> watching yeah. the last episode of the Night Stalker when uh, they talk about his fans and the, and the women that were obsessed with him. And I like, I was watching it with Chris and Chris was like, why would any woman want him? And I went, no, 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 no. Don't look at what he's done. Look at him. And he's like, okay. And I've gone, he's got angular features. He's exotic looking. He, you know, when he doesn't open his mouth and you see his busted up teeth. Well, they fixed his teeth eventually, right? Yeah, they did. They did. I said, so you look at him. I said, and and truthfully, you see guys that look like him modeling for guests and and things like that physically. He's attractive. His eyes are dark and oh and soulless. His eyes, his eyes are are freaking but, scary. Yeah, like, and and oh <laughs> Chris is like, no, I still don't get it. And then in the next scene, he walks into the frame wearing the aviator sunnies, and, I, and yeah, and Chris yeah. is like, yeah, okay, now I, I get it. <laughs> well, so I had and I had a conversation with somebody about this too, like talk, and I'm like, 
and I almost quote like almost word for word quoted the documentary where like you know, somebody was saying, Oh my, you know, he he's amazing. He's so, you know, he's so hot, he's so sexy. And I'm like, it, it, but like he's looking at like he's looking at these women like I will, you know, like a predator, like I will eat you. Like, you know, and just oh my gosh. But yeah, that that so was the lion uh, fell in love so you know, the lamb fell in love with the lion sort of thing. Yes. It's um it's it's a lot of different things. One is that you have people that are vulnerable, and and he's a predator, so he knows how yes. to play vulnerable people. Well, in that case, I don't think he necessarily had to play them. I think they were looking for it. But you also have people that want to save people, and you know, quite often, and people always say, how do these romances happen? How do these women marry murderers? Well, it's not like they just wake up and they go, I'm going to marry a murderer. Quite often it'll be, you know, Ted Bundy used to get letters because women had heard about his horrible childhood. You know, I'm really, really sorry that this happened. You know, wouldn't it be great if you showed remorse? And these are men who are literally skilled at being manipulative. Yeah. It's how they've gotten to where they've gotten. It's, um, you know, and, and so they twist it. Then they twist it again. They twist it again. And and it's just one of those things where then you're trapped. You're completely caught up and you don't even realize that you are. And, um, and I think that's what people underestimate because people want to say, <laughs> this is true crime, Rachel, here. Um, people want to say that serial killers are just monsters. But to do that, we don't learn anything from that. What we need to realize is that in a lot of ways, these are superior human beings in terms of... I get what you're saying. Um, th- their mental capacity, their ability to manipulate, their ability to organize. You know, And, and I, part of me wonders how long they would have continued had they done their crimes now rather than when they did because DNA has just, you know, blown everything out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. But masters of manipulation, masters of organization. Well, and, and they, I mean, they, they pushed boundaries and they they push boundaries and what, what they're willing to do versus what society says to do. And it's not just going to be only in that area. I mean, they're going to push boundaries and go past things and 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 other parts of of life and yeah i mean i I think you could make i I know the case that you're making on them being superior superior humans like in multiple ways i i and i also sort of think of you know it's one of those things where it could have gone it could have gone one of two ways and i always bring it back to um ted kaczynski where ted kaczynski was raised in a horrible situation and he became, he became the Unabomber and his brother became a social worker. <laughs> like, yeah. Sometimes nature and nurture plays a part, but, but I just, um, for me, the thing that sums it all up when you think about it is like people like Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy represented himself in a capital murder trial. He didn't have a law degree. He didn't have anything and he did pretty damn well. Um, And the thing that what I loved about it the most was what the judge said to him just before he convicted him. And um, do you, can I, can I tell you that? Like that's. Please do. Yeah. Okay. So, so in his, um, his 
he's just sentenced Bundy to death. And then he says this to him. The court finds that both of these killings were indeed heinous, atrocious and cruel. So you have to remember that Bundy was only killed for two of his crimes because he committed crimes in a lot of different states. Um, And that they were extremely wicked, shockingly evil, vile and the product of design to inflict a high degree of pain and utter indifference to human life. This court, independent of but in agreement with the advisory sentence rendered by the jury, does hereby impose the death penalty upon the defendant, Theodore Robert Bundy. It is further ordered that on such a scheduled date you'll be put to death by a current of electricity sufficient to cause your immediate death and such current of electricity shall pass through your body until you are dead. Take care of yourself, young man. I say that to you sincerely. Take care of yourself. It is an utter tragedy for this court to see such a total waste of humanity, I think, as I've experienced in this courtroom. You're a bright young man. You would have made a good lawyer, and I would have loved to have had you practice in front of me. But you went the other way, partner. I don't feel any animosity towards you. I want you to know that. Take care of yourself. It's so, but it's like, it, it is it only so smart that people can be before their brains get a bit fuddled? Well, I, but I, so here, the other thing that, that gets a lot of these, these people, and you can, <clears throat> this is a simpler view of, of them representing themselves, but I mean, the ego and the narcissism, like, yeah, it, it, it really, that's something, and, and, and think of like how many brilliant and intelligent people just like can't get out of their own way and And the lack of the lack of empathy yeah yeah that's what differentiates us altruism is what differentiates us kindness for the sake of kindness understanding for the sake of understanding do you think what what percentage of the world's population especially in the world we live in now, do you think the default is kindness and empathy? Well, let's just empathy versus selfishness. Like where they skew, you've got this kind of like even meter and you either, you're not completely, you're not completely empathetic, but, and you're not a complete selfish person, but like where people are more empathetic versus selfish or people are more selfish versus empathetic. Where do you think pe- most people fall on that? I don't know. I think that there are a lot of people that do things because it's self-serving. Yeah. Even if it's a good thing, it's self-serving. Um, you know, it's the person that pays for someone's. I I went out. I went out for lunch with a girl that I'm not particularly good friends with. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't dislike her. She's an okay person. She's just not my person. Um, But we share a very good friend. Does that make sense? sense, And I think we were trying to see if we could be more friends. Okay. And when we went out to lunch, there was two women at the table next to us. And one of the women was crying. Just having one of those deep conversations with a friend and crying. And when we went up to the counter to pay for our lunch, she bought their coffee. And she didn't tell anyone that she did it. She didn't tell me that she was going to do it. She didn't put it on social media. Yeah. 
That random act of kindness. Yes. That putting it on Instagram, self-serving act of kindness. 1,000%. Still an act of kindness, absolutely. But It's the, it's the intent. Intent matters it, yeah. in everything you do. Absolutely. And it cancels it out. You know, it, yeah. it, 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 I think that you will find that most people at the heart of it all are neutral. Okay. That they do a lot of good. They do stuff. They do a lot of good sometimes because it makes them feel better. Or, you know what I mean? Or And, and, and so I want to think that people, people are not unkind by nature. Right. But people sometimes have a problem of getting past their own their own need for attention and their own needs. Yep. And sometimes when you feel like, you know, it, it's, it's about self-esteem and insecurity really, isn't it? That if mm-hmm. you feel like you're not a good person, you need people to tell you that you're a good person. It's like, I just, I, to me, minimum of one good act a day don't tell people that you did it. You don't have to tell people that you did it. Right. You know, you know, you did it. They know you did it. I think your, um, I think your assessment of most people being neutral kind of to start with is, is spot on. Uh, I also do think that, yeah, a lot of your, a lot of the selfishness comes out of, of insecurity. Um, I think just given the, you know, given social media and the nature of what it is, uh, I think people are starting to skew more towards selfish than they would otherwise. I mean, it just, and it's not just, it's the fact that everything that you consume is tailored for you and Mm. you can put something out and you can get, I mean, if you're an insecure person, you can get that exact uh, feedback that you're looking for. And I mean, look, we're all, uh, everybody, you know, there, there isn't, we, we all have motives for doing things. Um, and we all have things that we, um, that we do that, that have a selfish tent to them. But I, I, I think somebody's underlining nature really, really speaks. And I think, um, you know, that the intent on them as a whole will give you kind of a better picture. Uh, I do, but I, I, I agree with you that, you know, when you do an act of kindness, um, how you process that. And if you decide I need to tell everyone that I'm doing this versus you just do it because like you thought it was the thing to do in the moment. Um, you know, I, I think that does speak a lot to an individual. And I think that's something that each, like each of us can think about and say, okay, you know, where am I? with this. And this is another one of those things where like nothing is a hundred percent absolute, but underlining intent I think does matter. And I think it does show, it, it shows your character. So. Oh, absolutely. Man. Look at I, us. I, the I think it's, I think it's funny when we do a podcast, like if we had, if we actually had show notes after the fact, cause there's no way you could outline and script this. But if you're like, we started here then we went here, then we jumped here. Um, 
Do, I mean, do, do you want the current outline? We started with a Limp Biscuit cover <laughs> of a Who song. Yes. We then went into general covers, yes. George Michael, Freddie yes. Mercury, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> True Crime, Serial yeah. Killers, Personal Growth, Back to True Crime and Serial Killers, Brains, Very Smart People, Ted Bundy, Lack of Empathy, and the neutrality of people. Well done. You know, pe- you know, a lot of people say they don't do podcasts because they don't have anything to talk about, and then there's us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. But do you know what makes me laugh is that we, we talk about so many things, but realistically, we don't go... Like, we don't even need to talk about... Yeah. Well, we, don't, we definitely don't need a list of things. No, we don't. We, and we, we, we sort of... It's, it's so funny. We talk about our perspectives on things. We talk about things that happen to us, but we, we very minimally use the personal stuff in our lives, the people in our lives, and, and, and things like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's... I think there's a way to discuss things where you can respect those like personal boundaries. And that was, um, yeah, it's, it's, and it's funny cause it wasn't really by design at first, but it's kind of like the boundaries that we've kind of put in place with things. We've just kind of kept and, and I mean, you know, they're, but we, we never really run out of stuff to talk about. So nope. Well done. We're we're fantastic. <laughs> we are. We're brilliant. We're we're uh, we're completely, completely self sacrificing. There's no <laughs> self serving here whatsoever. <laughs> oh my! I God. did listen to an amazing podcast in the last week, actually, yeah. and okay. and part of that was because I would sort of had enough of true crime. Um, yeah. two days a week, I'm in the office by myself, like completely by myself. And it gets a little lonely, but it also, um, my mind tends to race a little bit sometimes if I listen to true crime when I'm alone in a building. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I just was like, I don't even know what I want to listen to, but I just don't want to listen to that. And I, I went into recommended podcasts, like, you know how Spotify recommends things? Yeah. And I was like, oh, true crime. No, no, true crime. No, true crime. No. Ah, oh, stories of survival. No, something. No, something. No, JFK Jr. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, and I couldn't understand why it come up, but I used to listen to a podcast <laughs> that was um, it was all about your presidents. Every week was about a different president. Yeah. Um, and I and I got through about three weeks, and then I got to Lyndon Johnson, and I was like bored. So. <laughs> I could probably go back and listen to more presidents, but it was actually, it was a 10 episode podcast on JFK Jr. Um, Everything throughout his whole life as to like what it was like for him uh, being born, living in the White House, uh, what it was like when his father died, what his schooling was like. And it's just a topic I'd never really considered because there's only, I think of JFK Jr., and three things come to mind. One, 
I always remember that he dated Sarah Jessica Parker. I don't know why. Two, I remember him riding his bicycle everywhere with that, like, red beret backwards cap thing because it was in all the magazines back when he was, like, the hottest bachelor of the year, which we would have been children when that happened because we weren't really that old when he died. No, we were not. And three, I remember his wedding photo being on the cover of every newspaper. And... Those were really the only things I knew about him. I knew that he'd created a magazine and, and that it had gone bust. I knew, like, vague stuff. Yeah. But it was actually really fascinating and just it, it made him very human. He was very much a Kennedy. But you see how much of that was driven by his mother, who was very much a woman that was meant to marry a Kennedy. And um, they go into her background a little bit too and they talk about how much she knew about JFK before she married him because a lot of people sort of made her out to be the victim of a womanising husband. But this podcast sort of went into detail and it was actually an Australian guy who'd done the podcast. He was an Australian detective Mm -hmm. because the whole point of it was to work out whether or not the plane accident was like, is this part of the Kennedy curse? Was it a conspiracy? Was it set up? Which kind of steps the toe into your true crime thing. Yeah. But the the majority of it was actually just historical and human interest. Okay. Um, And, and I just, I really didn't know that about Jackie, that she, she knew it was completely transparent. She knew exactly who she married. She did it because she, knew she didn't know white house she knew governor she knew that that was the possibility and she thought prestige in massachusetts don't think she knew she was going to end up in the white house no it definitely worked out at a much larger scale than what she probably anticipated but you know i and i think you know you have to respect somebody that's that's like that I mean, because they they're able to look at that that is part of life too by the way is like you want to when you're looking for when you're looking at a spouse you're considering like what life is going to be like because there is definitely an element of you know running life almost like an organization and like what are you getting into what are their strengths what are the things that that you're going to have to decide if you're willing to look past what are deal breakers i mean yeah so anybody that's that's that uh, almost well thought out. That's that well thought out with what they're doing. I mean, it, it makes sense. And for you saying that's how she was, yeah, that's not very, surprising. very intelligent woman, and yeah. and apparently was this very uh, driving force with JFK Jr., who had dyslexia. I never knew that. Interesting. Um, so he did a he. She wanted him to do a law degree yeah. because I think it's like ninety three percent of presidents have a law degree. Did you know that? That I did not know. I didn't know that. I don't know whether that number is right. It might be 83%. It's a very high number. High percentage of presidents have been lawyers or have a law degree. They may not have worked as lawyers, but they have a law degree. And Uh, and look at the the Obamas. There's two of them, isn't there? Michelle's a lawyer as well, isn't she? Well, yeah. And and, I mean, it it also kind of makes sense because the skill set you would use as an attorney is definitely what you would use as a politician. That's exactly what. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in in theory, 
in theory, the president is going to be the best politician. So, And also because you need to have an awareness of law and legal ramifications, I guess. So that you you know when you hear, we are not saying anything on that. <laughs> One would imagine uh, that it is generally required. Yes. <laughs> that was a very diplomatic answer. Um, but yeah, and so it talked about how she was a driving force, and when she died, he kind of got lost because yeah. all of a sudden he because apparently, I mean, he loved his mother. He's very close with his mother, but he was also terrified of her. Makes sense. And of her disappointment and um, her expectation of him. Um, but yeah, it's sort of, I found myself very sad when I listened yeah. to, like, his, his marriage was in trouble when he passed away. I didn't know that. Um, apparently the cause of it was children because she didn't want children and he wanted a family. Mm. Um, and that had sort of caused a lot of trouble and but it just was it just kept coming home to the fact that he was so young and and I just kept thinking of his sister his poor sister who whose father was killed in front of the whole world whose uncle was killed in you know yeah. Pretty much yep. front of the whole world. Yep. Whose mother died quite young, really, of non Hodgkin's lymphoma. Shout out to the uh to the kids that lost their parents to non Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. I'm in a Kennedy club. I, um, I know. I, <laughs> you worked it in, yes. Um but she also lost her brother. And she you know I just it made me sad it made me sad for her it made me sad for her children yeah that that's their legacy and that they will never know their uncle or their grandfather or their great uncle or their their grandmother it just um yeah it was very like it was a very good podcast I was quite surprised and I think I listened to the first episode because I thought yeah that'll just you know that's an hour <laughs> yeah. but I, I really enjoyed it and and they so basically they think what happened what what they basically confirmed happened was that he wasn't he wasn't really at fault it did happen because of his ability but that it wasn't like he wasn't under the influence of anything um Basically, he was meant to take off much sooner. He was meant to fly earlier in the day. Yeah. Uh, but his wife and his wife's sister had both gotten stuck in traffic. Mm. So he took off at five instead of at three. Now, if he'd flown at three, he would have gotten there no problems because it would have still been daylight when they landed. Sure. He flew at five and darkness they were only like 15 kilometers from where they had to be or like i don't yeah it wasn't particularly far yeah um but he was flying in the darkness and 
Um, he was offered an instructor to fly with him, but because they were running late, because he'd had an argument with his wife, all of these things, he'd refused the instructor because he knew how to fly. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, well, he only had this amount of, of flying experience. And, and the detective went, but that's actually the equivalent of flying all the way to Australia and back to America. It's not a small amount of hours that he's flown. He's, he's, he's flown this amount of kilometres by himself before. Yeah. Um, he'd done the flight before. He just had never done it at night. And basically it's a trick of the eye, how the, how the water reflects and it makes you think that you're straight when you're on vertical. And so it was a rookie mistake. But if he had flown it in the daylight, it would never have happened. And it was just one of those moments of all the dominoes falling in line at exactly the wrong time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just very, yeah, it was quite surprising, but I very much enjoyed it. Not the him dying bit, the, the actual podcast <laughs> was good. Thank you for the clarification. You're welcome. Well, and you know, that's how, I mean, this is, this is one of the, and again, not him dying. So I'll do the clarification, but like, this is one of the joys now of like, you'll find something, you'll listen to it. And then you're like, Oh, I'm really enjoying this. And then you see that there's like just days worth of episodes. It's it's just wonderful. And you're like, Oh, I guess this will be my show for the next, however many days or weeks. So it was called uh, Fatal Voyage, The Death of JFK Jr. It was very good. Oh, and then before that, yeah, I listened to one called Death of a Starlet. Really? Which was also a, a series. I think there was six, five or six episodes in that. And that was all on, uh, there was a um, Playboy Playmate who was murdered by her husband. And um, by her estranged husband. And it was the story of how she became the playmate and how she was becoming an actress. And, and like, I kind of like those stories. I like getting to know, I mean, like getting to know about people because I think quite often when people die tragically, all we remember is that they died tragically. Or worse still, when somebody's murdered, we usually remember the murderer, not the victim. And I like the idea of remembering somebody as opposed to remembering how they died. You've kind of brought this full circle to what we were talking about with the Night Stalker thing, because it was talking more about the the victims and how courageous they were and remembering the ones that that died. Um, So well done. Thank you. Unintentional, but I'm glad I did it. I well, and I but I and I have a question for you, and this yeah. this will be a little bit telling about your listening preferences. What are the if you go to your podcast episodes that are waiting for you? What yeah. are the last four, the ones that have updated the most recent? Which which podcasts are those? Um, as in my top shows. Yeah, so like if you go to podcast and you go to shows, and then you refresh it, and it shows you the ones that have updated today. Which are the most four recent? Okay. Um... 
um, uh, Voices for Justice by Sarah Turney, okay. the Daryl Perry podcast by Daryl Perry, Red Handed, and Frames, an investigative story. So crime and us. That's wonderful. I like that. <laughs> Actually, Sarah Turney is just, for anyone listening, and because I know that you do have a few people listening that are into true crime. Yeah. Sarah Turney is a remarkable human being. Sarah Turney's older sister was murdered by their father. Mm. And, um, uh, and he did such a good job that they never found her. They just know that she's dead and they know that. And for years, Sarah Tony was saying that it was her father that did it. Now, remembering she was maybe 12 or 13 when this happened. Yeah. Um, and she fought and fought and fought for years and she gave them everything she had and they had all of this evidence, but they couldn't piece it together enough. And, um, and Sarah Tony runs a program called Voices for Justice, um, and has has a podcast called Voices for Justice. Um, so it's not just about listening to true crime; it's about getting justice for the victims of the crime. So every every week, she has different people who are victims. She talks a lot about her sister Alyssa. Um, but yeah, she went on every true crime podcast that there was. Yeah. She did everything. She, she did YouTube. She did everything. Um, she did petitions for them to reopen her sister's case. She just absolutely dedicated herself to it. And, um, and I just find stories like that remarkable that she did that she succeeded and now she wants to help others there um there was another podcast that i listened to where a woman was she's a private investigator she's very sought after and very good private investigator and she got into the game because her her best friend from college was murdered they were they were dorm mates mm was murdered and they were so certain that it was a guy that they had gone to college with. And so for years she got into it because she was trying to find all of this information on him, just trying, like, for years and years and years, trying to prove it was him. And in the meantime realised that she was actually quite skilled at this whole investigating people thing and um, started helping out people who hadn't been getting enough attention from the police Um and it sounds awful, but quite often, yeah. Um, quite often, particularly the media, they like their murder victims white, young, and pretty. Yeah. Um, and so, if you don't fit in that box, or if you're a teenager and the police just think you ran away, you know, families get desperate. Yeah. And um, and and I'm I, I'm not a parent here. You're a parent, so I'm going to ask you you know your child well enough to know whether or not they've run away, right? Yes. Yeah. So my theory is if a parent says to you, 
it's possible, but I don't think it's likely. Okay, we investigate the idea that maybe they ran away. If a parent says to you, absolutely not, they wouldn't do that, they know their child enough to know something's happened, you know. Um, And so she, yeah, she spent years investigating other things and helping other crimes get solved, but meanwhile spent her whole time trying to prove that this guy that was her friend's boyfriend had killed her only for DNA evidence to prove that it was somebody else. And she ran into him and had to apologise to him. And she said to him, you know, I'm so sorry, I was so certain that you'd done it. And he had actually moved countries. He'd been American. He'd moved to Europe to yeah. get away from it. And um, and she said to him, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sure you'd done it. And he said, everybody was so sure I'd done it. But I can forgive you because I loved her as much as you loved her. Mm. So you, what you did, what you thought, what you've looked for, you've done out of love. Yeah. Misguided, but love. And um, And I like that. I like... I like people that dedicate their lives to helping others um, just because just, and, and, and quite often it comes from our own experiences. So um, there is an amazing, I feel like she's Irish. Irish woman had a dream about Vietnam and she was very poor. She'd grown up very, very poor and she'd never been to Vietnam. She'd never left Ireland. And she just had, like, had this vision of ways that she could help. And she went to Vietnam on a holiday and ended up volunteering in an orphanage. And then it just went from there. And she fundraised and she built orphanages and all of these things. Um, And her name, I can't think of her name, Christina something. But they call her Mama Tina. In Vietnam, they call her Mama Tina. And it's just this thing where this woman grew up poor, but she recognised what she had. And she went somewhere and helped. And, like, I remember reading, she's written several books, and I remember reading one of her books, and she talked about, like, her big achievement for one of the weeks was that none of the kids had flea bites on their legs. (laughs) Like, that that was something that, she'd managed to make happen for them and um yeah I just I so again we're going to do another full circle this comes back to you expanding and experiencing because the thing is there are people that live lives of quiet desperation and I think that that quiet desperation absolutely is a fight for not wanting to become complacent, but they've somehow become complacent in the idea that that's all it will ever be is that it's quiet desperation. I need attention. I need out of my life. I need something different. Then there are those that are like you who refuse to be complacent that know what they're good at and know what their strengths are, but know that, everything is like a muscle and everything needs work and everything needs development. And that just because you're really good at something doesn't mean you can't be better. Just because you're open-minded doesn't mean your mind can't open further. Just because you've shown a bit of kindness doesn't mean you can't show more, you know? Yeah. I think we, um, 
I, and one, I, I love how everything. So when we started talking true crime today, you, you said that, you know, the big the big rift in the true crime community about the Night Stalker thing was because it was focused on the victims. And literally everything that we have talked about today uh, has been focusing on the victims. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think that point of view needs to be examined. Apparently, And, and again, I don't consume a ton of true crime stuff yet. But, um, but yeah, I, I think the focus on the victims is something that, that really needs to be done. And I think, you know, talking about everything with, with kindness and intent is you just, no matter what you've done, again, with this whole thing of things are always changing, like, you, you always have to, it's, it's, and it's not even necessarily about being, being better. I think it's just about being more aware of, like, yourself and the things around you and especially if you've got um if you have ambitions on things and you know the whole the whole thing of like wondering if it's always going to be this way is this always going to be a chase i feel like that was probably where i was when i first started doing all this stuff probably five or six years ago but yeah as you as you get into it and i mean i literally because i was i was just thinking one day and i was like you know I, I haven't done a lot of development on my own. Like I get into my own messages. I get into the, the comments that people are saying and not everybody. And I always appreciate when somebody disagrees with me because it makes me think and it makes me see another point of view. And I love that. And that's actually been one of the best things with, with the podcast, especially, but like, it, it wasn't like an, it, it wasn't this anxiousness that used to be there. It's like, yeah, you know what? It's probably just time to try to expand a little bit. And I think when you really, this gets back to the whole confidence thing. When you really know who you are and what you're about, what's important to you and where your skills are, like, it's not dramatic. You just, like, you you just do the things that need to be done. You realize you're not going to be perfect on things, but you just keep moving forward. And I think that's where I am with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Another solid episode. What's on the bus? Yeah. What's our question for this week? Hmm. <laughs> I think that it's not a not a question. It's a task. Okay. okay. A non self serving act of kindness. So you can do something, but you can't tell anybody that you did it. So actually, I, I think what we're, you mentioned the sliding scale. As I think about this, um, how kind would you rate yourself, honestly? And I'll do one of those little sliding scale things. Oh, I like that. Yeah. We won't share it, but I mean, just like an honest assessment. Because again, like, even if you, if you do this and you're like, I'm the most selfish person on the planet, you being aware of that first is a huge step and then you Uh can decide if you want to like you know start doing things differently so yeah a a little bit different uh this very uh just a very interactive instagram story i like that yeah i'll uh i'll post it and you can do the same thing and we'll see uh we'll see what people tell us i'm excited about this perfect yeah because i would be interested to see how many people think that they're extremely kind and how yeah. many people think that they're extremely not? Yeah. Um, particularly, <coughs> excuse 
sorry. Um, particularly when you see, when you can see someone's social media, it can give yeah. you a glimpse into narcissism and self-serving. So it would be, it, it makes me curious. So as here's to where a, we uh, and, and here's a little spoiler, guys, and this is a little like cheat sheet for those of you listening to the podcast. Nobody should be a hundred percent on this. Like, because I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna respond to this. I'm not gonna be a hundred percent. Nope. You're, yeah. yeah. I mean, so like anybody, anybody that's just like that moves the bar all the way over, would be like, huh? Okay. Narcissist. <laughs> oh, sorry. Something got stuck in my throat. Yeah. Funny how that happens, right? Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, another uh, solid episode, and I think we'll we'll try and do it again next week. What do you think? Sounds good, my friend. Awesome. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Take care.